Father, thank you this morning for the good word of God. Thank you for the lordship of Jesus Christ. Thou art welcome in this place, Lord. We just thank you now for the Holy Spirit that administrates the word. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about the centrality of Jesus and how do we live in the real reality, how we live in the reality of him on a daily basis and walk in truth. No better day than Resurrection Sunday to continue along those lines. How do we live in the reality of, of truth? A couple of things. Reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin. Reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive unto God in Jesus Christ. I do want to say if you're new here and you have a desire to know Christ, maybe you don't know Him, you're in for a treat because He is way more than you ever thought He was. And uh, He did way more than I think any of us fully grasp. And uh, our desire is that if you don't know Jesus, you get connected to Him personally and experientially. That's the Greek word, gnosko, John seventeen three, that you know Him. And if you do uh, know Him, that you continue to grow up in all aspects into Him. And then lastly, If it's found out about you, what's been found out about the rest of us, that you need Jesus like we do, (laughs) we're here to help, not condemn. Somebody say amen right there. Um, We all need him. We're all in process in our growth. So uh, let's go to Romans chapter 6 this morning and verse 3. Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, there's a double meaning here. There's the third dimensional meaning of water baptism. But the original truth is where we need to go first and foremost for truth. That's the fourth dimension, the realm of the Spirit. You were baptized by the Holy Spirit and placed into Christ. Okay, so so he's talking about that, not just water baptism. Water baptism is simply symbolic of what's actually happened in the Spirit When you and I received his life. Make sense? So you were immersed into Christ by the Holy Spirit. But it's also speaking of this symbolism of water baptism. Which is an ordinance that he asks us to do. We were baptized into his death. Verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him. Through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also now walk in newness of life. And that word life is zoe. So we're alive with the very life of Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Romans 8, 11. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we'll be united with him in the likeness of his new life, his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. God needed to do away with the uh, body of sin. We need to be done with that, do away with it. So he crucified it, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Yeah, there's so much, there's so much here today. You're not just free from sin positionally. You are positionally free from sin, uh, completely free, past, present, and future sins have been paid for. Because he, he didn't just die for you, he died as you. You were crucified with Christ. Who was? The old you. 
the stinky you, the no good you, the fallen you, <laughs> that Adam passed all that death and destruction on to you, that you was crucified. We don't pretty up that you. We don't put religion on the old you. You guys remember that, right? <laughs> we don't put some church attendance glasses on and some, uh, you know, Sunday school lipstick and then some good deed pearls around your neck. But it's still the old man. Your old man is dead. The old you, the one that embarrassed you, the one that you look back and think, oh my gosh, did I really do that? That old you is dead. And now, that's you. <laughs> this, this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. The Word of God is a mirror. You're looking in the mirror. Now, you're the, the cat, okay? You're the cat. But 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we behold as in a mirror. The Word of God is a mirror. And when you look into it, you behold the glory of God. John 17.22, the glory, Father, you gave me, I gave them. And so when you look in the scriptures, that's who you are. You're not this. You're this. Because, because he needed to do away with the old you, put you to death so he could raise you as somebody brand new. Preacher, where do you get that? How about 2 Corinthians 5.17? If any man beware, in Christ, in him, he's a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You were placed in Christ by faith. So when he died, you died, the old you. But now that allowed you to come out of that tomb with him in Christ as a brand new creation. Look at this one. I have been crucified with Christ. How much of America believes that Jesus died for them? How much less of people, even in the church, really understand that he died as them? If I be lifted up, John 12, I'll gather all men, all mankind into me and do what? Crucify them. From Adam all the way forward, I'll take mankind into me and we'll go ahead and execute righteous judgment. Because the wages of sin is? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer even I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Amen. Well, it's hard to feel sorry for ourselves now, isn't it? The living Christ lives inside you. Do you think if the living Christ were in the garden that day that the serpent showed up, you think Jesus Christ would have succumbed to him? No, he wouldn't have. We've already seen it, right? In the wilderness. He was tempted. He overcame him. That same Christ is in you. So don't you tell me that sin is your master. Don't you tell me that. The one sin mastered is dead crucified, done away with. You're a brand new person in Christ. Well, then why do I struggle, Steve? Why do I stumble? And Because you really don't believe that the old you is dead. As long as we believe we're just sinful and sin is a custom, sin is natural, you won't resist it. You won't fight it with the weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but mighty through the Spirit of God. Don't let the world tell you that sin's just normal. It was normal for the old you. 
So now we believe, hey, the old me, the one that was mastered under sin's coercion, couldn't do anything about it, has been put to death in Christ. Not only do I believe that, I also believe I'm brand new and filled with Christ himself. The one who did overcame, overcome the enemy. How about this one? Ephesians 4, 24. Put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on the new man. That's so good. So we're not just celebrating Christ's resurrection today, but yours. And this is why we're offering water baptism on Mother's Day, May 8th. If you want to be water baptized because you have never fully grasped what actually happened to you when you got born again, then let water baptism be a public celebration and declaration that what God says about me is true and that when you lay me in that water, the old me is truly dead. The one that lived under sin's coercion has died. I am not that person anymore and I am raised to new life. When I come up out of the water, I am brand new. When I walk down those steps, I am a new creation. I am not who I used to be. I sever ties with the faulty belief, the lie that sin can coerce me to do whatever it wants. Is is Daniel Grissom in here this morning? Hey, there he is. Daniel, how old are you? 20? Uh, when? June. All right, everybody mark that down. June. Daniel came to me two weeks ago. He's been sharing with his family. He's been sharing with them. And he says this. He said, guys, we sin because we believe we're still sinners. (laughs) This is why the theology, sinner saved by grace, doesn't work. You are not a sinner. We killed that one. This one was a sinner. Now, if you're just adding good works and church attendance to the old dead you, no wonder you struggle. We killed this one. And so now we reckon ourselves dead indeed to sin and alive unto God. So he's telling his family, we sin because we still believe we're sinners. And then Brother Don Wheeler added when we were conversing, he said, yeah, we still struggle believing we're unpurchased, we're unowned by God, and we're unrighted with Him. That is not true. We are purchased. We are His possession. The Holy Spirit is the down payment, the guarantee God put His seal on you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. You belong to Him. You are no longer unpurchased. You are purchased. You are possessed by God Himself. You are His property. You are not an orphan. You belong to Him. My goodness, He cleaned you up so much that he, he is going to marry you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He buried you so He could marry you. Well, I'm not good enough. You don't think He knows that? That's why He had to kill the old sinful you and raise you up apart from sin. Oh, goodness. Yep. Amen. All right, let's look at a couple of... Uh, I ate a couple of these scriptures. Well, I don't see it on here. There it is. If you eat Romans 6, 5, the word united is some futos. Now, this is just if you eat in Bible Hub, Romans 6, 5. Anybody can do it. The fact that in the death of Christ, our former corrupt and wicked self has been slain and buried in Christ's tomb. Our former corrupt and wicked self. Break ties with the idea you're a sinful creature. Break ties with that lie. Sever ties with it. Amen. 
In addition, our intimate fellowship with his resurrection now shows itself in a new life revealed in and through us. You got new life in you. You don't need a bunch of laws. You don't need me to beat the sheep to keep you living right. Half, half the churches struggle with beat the sheep every week. Why do you do that to them? Well, so they'll behave. They've got the life of Jesus in them. Tell them who they are. How's, how's our country doing with all the laws we have? How are all these laws in our country doing holding down sin? Are you kidding me? Law does not have the power to hold down sin. The life of Christ inside you has already defeated sin, defeated separation. You couldn't be like God without God. So he put you to death and then filled you with himself, joined himself to you. Now you can overcome sin. Romans 6, 14, sin shall not have dominion over you, shall not dominate you. You're not under law of self-effort anymore. You're not under law of performing independently towards God. You are under grace. Grace is a person. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. He showed up. Now He trains you, empowers you to live godly in the present age. Grace as a doctrine has no power. Grace as a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, has great power. We don't just add more laws to the Christians. The law cannot impart life. It was designed to show you to come to the end of yourself that you're dead, void of life without Christ. That was the purpose of the law. Your natural reasoning tells you you're still owned by sin. The reason you feel separated from God after you sin or do a big piece of stupid is because your natural mind is in play. Think about it. Romans 8, 5. Those who walk by the flesh, how do they do it? Set their, they set their minds on the flesh. Why, when we look at our country and all the waywardness, what's going on? They set their mind on the things of the flesh. So they're doing things of the flesh. The world's going to world. The rest of that, my, mine and Daniel's conversation, dogs bark, cats meow, sinners sin. To try to convince the church we're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. It's so crippling. Romans 8, 5, after it says, those who live by the flesh do so by setting their minds on the things of the flesh. Guess what else it says? Those who walk by the Spirit, how do they do it? They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So when you do a big piece of stupid, was your mind set on the Spirit or set on carnal things? It was set on carnal things. And so as soon as it, as soon as the, Thought life gives birth to sin and you actually do that dumb thing you wish you hadn't done because you're in your carnal mind. Now you're in your own reality, your own perspective, and it feels like God is nowhere to be found. I feel separated. I, I, I feel like he doesn't love me. Is that coming from the mind of Christ? No, it's coming from your carnal mind. So you can have, you can live in your own world with your own reality and your own perspective, but it's a terrible idea because for you to find truth, you have to get it from Him. So if you stumble, go to God and say, Father, who am I? Tell me again who I am. 
Because I don't want to give place to the carnal mind. you got to go back. If you don't want to fulfill the deeds of the flesh, set your mind again on the things of the Spirit. But we feel like we got to work our way now back to God because that's what human reasoning does and it makes a mockery of the cross. Christ is the one who brought you near to God. The only one that could have done something about our sin and our separation actually did. <laughs> Can I say that again? There was only one person who could have righted the ship. There's only one that could have done something about our sin and separation, and he did. Well, what's the problem then, Steve? We don't believe it. John 6, 29, they said, what must we do to work the works of God? Guess what Jesus said? It was profound. He listed 27 things you got to do. No, I'm just kidding. He said, (laughs) believe. Believe on me. Believe that what I did is enough. Do we really think we can fix our sin and separation? You can't. But when you stumble, you get in your own emotions, your natural mind. You start creating ideas. This is how this is going to happen. This is how I get back to God. Go back to truth. The one who dealt with your sin problem dealt with it. And when you believe and receive once again from the vine of truth, you become free. And you begin living in the reality. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Lord, I'm going to get up again and I'm going to keep going. Brother Don and I were talking this week and he had a... Lord began showing him how it's tied to the whole armor of God. Share with him, Don, what you were sharing with me, brother. All right. This paper this time, that's scary. (laughs) So I want to read a scripture first and then discuss what I feel like the Lord is saying to us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says that, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, speaking of Adam, mm-hmm. I always love these words, much more those who receive abundance of grace. And here's a key. I want you to hear this. And the gift of righteousness. The gift. Mm-hmm. It's a gift of righteousness that we receive from God. And it says if we receive that grace abundant and the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 18 says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, whose act? One man's righteous act. Christ, yeah. The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So I have a question. Is it okay to be okay? Is it all right to be all right? Mm -hmm. See, the enemy doesn't care. He likes it when we run around trying to get right with God. Yeah. He said, I don't mind that gospel. Right. You run around always trying to get right. Just don't ever get right. (laughs) right that's right right he doesn't mind that he doesn't mind that we focus on the cross and the blood and constantly trying to find forgiveness as long as we never find power Hmm. because when we do what will happen is we'll begin to reign in life amen you see grace is provided for us for everything that we need but we need to have a righteous consciousness in order to reign And so what the enemy wants to do, he wants to always keep you in a state of unrighteousness. 
And I hear the Lord saying, it's okay to be okay. Yeah. Especially before God. You yeah. know, I like little words like that. It helps me when the enemy comes in and tries to say things. Yeah. I just say, well, it's okay to be okay. Yeah. So shut up. <laughs> Get me behind me. Get under my feet. Whatever it is you need to do. Yeah. It's all right to be all right. So we don't need a sin consciousness anymore. And I really feel like this is what the Lord is wanting us to hear. That a righteous consciousness is a form of armor. Over in Ephesians 6, it says part of the armor is what? A breastplate of righteousness. righteousness. So a righteous conscience fits our armor. Mm -hmm. And the armor guards our organs, our heart. And we have to guard our heart because out of our heart come what? The The issues issues of life. life, The boundaries, which are awesome because God set the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so we need to focus on that we have a righteous consciousness that provides us the ability to reign in life. And when the enemy comes along and tries to get you conscious of sin, he's just distracting you. Hmm. You know, we have to, I say this carefully, if you need a spiritual hospital, Go to the spiritual hospital. But at some point, can we get dismissed from the hospital? Yeah. Yeah. And right. Can we it, ever get to get a place where we finally say, man, I'm better. I'm okay because what God did was enough. Amen. Amen. That's right. So the importance of a righteous conscience is not for boasting. This is where we get kind of crosswise. It's hard sometimes to say that. I look at myself from the natural, look at my flesh, my behaviors, and go, yeah, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Right. <laughs> right. Right? Well, if I'm, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. If I'm looking at me, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. But if I look to him and see what he did, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He did it. Yeah. Uh, it's all right to be all right. So Ron said the other day, we get our butts in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah, but we we yeah, but yeah, the, the truth with circumstances, well, you ought to be yeah, butting your circumstances, your feelings, your intellectual process with the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So the breastplate of righteousness, a righteous conscience is armor so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Yeah. So that when he comes to say things to you, you can just dismiss it. Amen. So. It's important that that's what we understand our righteous consciousness about, is that it's we're righteous before the Father. That's number one. Because mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter what you think about my righteousness. Because you, you can't affect anything about me yeah. in regards to that. So I don't need to boast before you about it. Amen. Right? right? But I know that God has provided it for himself. He's made me righteous so he could live in me. And so that's where we boast. And then that Armor protects us from the attack of the enemy. So how do we deal with our flesh? And this is what pastor's uh, teaching on, which is the way that we deal with our flesh is to reckon ourselves dead to sin. If we could ever get a hold of this. <laughs> right. I was talking to myself. Amen. Hey, I, I, I get Me it. Too. It's tough. It's tough when we live in a natural world that's always drawing our lower nature, always wanting us to participate in our past self. Right. We have a memory of that. And so it takes a conscious effort to be, have a righteous consciousness. But if we have that, then we, we reckon ourselves dead to sin. I say it this way. Well, I'll say it the way I feel like the Lord told me. Okay. Don, you need to reckon yourself dead to sin because that's good for your dumb head. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's how you deal with your flesh. There's nothing I can do about my behaviors of sin. 
not a thing. You say, well, just stop. What if I can't? They never could. If 4,000 years of history ever told us one thing, it's that mankind can't deal with his own sin. So who can? Only God. Mm-hmm. Only God. So that's all we need. Yeah. And guess what? We got him. We have him. We have him. Amen. So we have the victory. I love what you said, too. If you, if you think I'm just saying go out and just sin or do whatever, you said I challenge you to go sit with God and believe and pour into everything he says you are in Christ. Really receive it. Really walk in the manner of it and go out and then tell me what you want to do. When you allow the word to wash you, when you believe the truth of who he's made you in Christ, sin is the farthest thing from your to-do list. Yeah, I used to say, you know, how many of you have been in just, you know, great worship? Oh, God, you're so good. I love you so much. I think I'm going to go kill somebody. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Doesn't happen. I had a little experience recently. I'll say this quickly. Okay. Okay, I'm a coffeeholic. I just I want to confess like that amongst the brethren. I get up in the morning, I want a cup of coffee. It's often I want two cups. And so I had poured a cup of coffee, had a cup of coffee, and then I was doing worship and I needed to learn some music on the bass. So I had set my second cup on the stand and I went in oh, and yeah. began to work on that. And as I was, I began to praise and worship God in the midst of my preparation. And I got happy and a Hour later, I walked out and I saw that coffee and I thought, I didn't even think about you. Yeah. Yeah. You get it? Uh, yeah. That's how we deal with sin. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Give him a hand, guys. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Can we be so? Can we be so lost in Him, so in love with Him that sin becomes the farthest thing from our mind? Yes, that is what we're saying. Uh, I'm going to say again, you can live out of your own reality, your own thought processes with what's going on around you, out of your natural reasoning, your perspective. You can even govern your own life, but it's a terrible idea. The reason you can do these is you are a little sovereign. You're made in God's image. Sovereignty means self-governed. You can govern your own life if you want. You can become the own determiner of your own reality, but I encourage you not to do that. I encourage you, if you want the real reality, aletheia in the Greek, if you want truth, go to Christ. And then begin to dare to believe everything that He says happened to you when you received Him, that that's what happened to you. And begin to live in the reality of it. Let me see how much time I got. All right. So, people think of the cross and resurrection in terms of dealing with forgiveness, and rightfully so. But He didn't just come to deal with that, as I said earlier. He came to make dead people alive again. Revelation 21 talks about He came to make all things new, bring to an end the old reality in Adam that was full of death and darkness and get you born out of the Adam's family into Christ's family. One last thing on Romans 6.6, this is the word done away with, the body of sin was done away with, rendered completely inoperative and void of any force or coercion. You see that? Sin is not your master. Sin does not have power to make you do stuff. Yes, sin is there, but you're not a slave or master to it anymore. Paul even said in Romans 7.20, when I do things I don't want to do, it's not even me. It's sin that dwells in me. Adam passed it on through the earth suit, and that's who it is. It's not me. 
Sin is there, but you're not slave to it. When you believe you're no longer a sinner, you will discover that you don't have to sin anymore. Amen, somebody? You don't have to sin anymore. Wow. That's liberating to know. The power of Christ that's within us. Now let's look at Romans 6, verse 7. This is Passion Translation. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. So when you were crucified with Christ, from God's perspective, you're incapable of sinning. 1 John 3, 9, whoever's born of God cannot sin. What's he mean? By the Spirit, your union with Christ in you, you cannot sin. Now you can do a lot of dumb stuff with your head and the earth suit. With, with the work of the flesh. But from God's perspective, He's looking at you as sin-free because He sees His Son in you. The covenant that we're in in the new covenant is between God the Father and God the Son. So if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you're in the covenant. And He'll be your Father and you'll be His child. His sin and lo- your sin and lawless deeds He'll remember no more. So when the Holy Spirit comes to convict Brian of a big piece of stupid, is he coming from a place of separation and telling Brian, well, you better work hard to get back to me, say three Hail Marys and go help uh, the woman across the street? No, when he speaks to Brian, he's coming from a place of union because nothing can separate Brian from the love of Christ that's in him. Nothing. Not things past, present, things to come, height nor depth. Amen. Romans 8. So even when the Holy Spirit comes, He's coming from a place of union. And He's going to coach you up while being with you into righteousness. Grace and truth are going to train you in godly living. We're not saying wink at sin. God will protest from inside you every step of your self-destruction. And sin is not healthy for you. So He protests it. He tells you about it. That's why, again, I say that. What's happened in the body of Christ is people think grace is a doctrine. I was asked at a a conference one time, man, uh, what what was the question he asked me? Something to the effect of, now that we have this grace message, you know, it's... it's, uh, you know, so amazing, and people are asking us about, like Paul, shall we go on sinning that grace abounds? Grace as a doctrine has no power. Grace as a person is incredibly empowering. He's loving, he's intimate, he's in you, he's your husband, he's your father, he's your comforter, he's your friend, he's in you, coaching you and leading. He's Lord of your life. Amen. So if we were co-crucified with Christ, we know that we'll share in the fullness of His life. And we know that since, the, since Christ has been raised from the dead to die no more, His resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over Him is finished. For by His sacrifice, He died to sin's power. Look at this. He died to sin's power once for all by putting us all to death. And now He lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. That's called abiding. So let it be the same way with you. Since you're now joined with Christ, you must continually view yourselves Reckon yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal. A dead man can't be coerced by sin. 
while living what? Daily for God's pleasure in your union with Jesus Christ. You have Christ. You have everything that pertains to life and godliness. Dance with Him. Enjoy Him. Listen to Him. Talk to Him. Abide in Him. Just live. Remain. Abide means remain. Live connected to Him throughout the day. Get out of, I'm working my way somewhere. And start living in Him. The moment you set out to go become something, you told yourself you're not something. So if you go try to get right with Christ, you're too late. He made you right with Himself. Enjoy Him, listen to Him. And if your behavior is out of line, do exactly what He says to do. Do what He says do. Amen. Because He'll protest your self-destruction. Amen, amen, amen. So how about this one? Romans 6.11, reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin. Logai zomai. It means to deem it. Count something as done and finished. And guess what? It's an aorist tense verb. It means you've got to continually reckon. Keep reckoning. Reckon yourself as dead to sin. Dead to its coercion. Dead to its influence. And keep doing it. Amen. The word nekros is the Greek word for corpse. Dead to sin. Greek word corpse, non-responsive to sin and its lying insinuations. I am unresponsive to what sin lies to me about. And with that, while you're reckoning yourself dead to sin, here's a two-edged sword. The other side is start, start seeing that you're alive to God in Jesus Christ. I'm alive to God. I'm, I'm connected to Him. Uh, nothing can separate me. I've got union with Him. 1 Corinthians 6.17 Whoever's joined to Him is one spirit with Christ Himself. Do you not know that you're the temple of the living God and the Spirit of God dwells inside you? Colossians 1.27 The mystery of all this gospel is Christ is in you. The hope of glory. The hope of God's glory being revealed. Oh, Hallelujah. You have resurrection life flowing and percolating on the inside of you. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is in you. Nothing can keep the power of Christ in you dormant or ineffective except if you choose not to believe him. Unbelief. Anything not from faith is sin. You, you gotta quit refusing to agree with God and his perspective. What have we been talking about for a couple of months? How do we live in truth? How do we live the real reality? Come out of your carnalness. Come out of your natural reasoning and go to God for truth. Jesus told Pilate in John 18, I'm here to bear witness of this thing called truth. It's a reality my people can walk in that supersedes the natural realm. Supersedes what's immediately present and visible to him. In John 14, he said, the Holy Spirit's coming to you and the world can't receive him because they can't see him. Truth is invisible. God is invisible. Love of God is invisible, but they're very real. And so we access them like a branch accesses a vine. Glory to God. And our heart now becomes willing to believe and our mind humbles itself. Humble your mind to agree with God and what He says about you, no matter how great it is. I mean, what I'm sharing with you, what Don's sharing with you is incredible good news. This gospel should escape this room. We should tell the world this is what really happened. 
Religion won't do it. Church membership won't do it. I don't care how big and fat a church gets. If you don't know Christ, then you're lost. You must know a person. You can memorize a thousand scriptures. You must know Him by the Spirit, by revelation, and receive His life into you. Amen. Let's let the gospel get out. There was a movie on the other day, and listen to the quote from the movie. A slave never knows true freedom until death. You were a slave to sin. So what did he do with you? Did did he pretty you up? Did he say, here, throw some church attendance glasses on it? A slave never knows true freedom until death. So he killed you. In Christ, He buried you so He could raise you up and marry you. Crucified, dead, buried, raised, seated. Crucified, dead, buried, raised, and seated with Christ. Romans 7, Passion. I write to you, dear brothers and sisters, you're familiar with the law. Don't you know that when a person dies... It ends his obligation to the law of self-effort and performing for God. For example, a married couple is bound by law to remain together until separated by death. But if a spouse dies, the other is released from the law of marriage. So then if a wife is joined to another man while still married, she's an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's discharged. She's free from the marriage contract and can marry another man without being charged for adultery. In verse 4, So my dear brothers... And sisters, the same principle applies to your relationship now with God. For you died to your first husband, the law of performance, independence, self-effort, religion, by being co-crucified with the body of the Messiah. So you're free to marry another. Who? The one who raised you from the dead, that you may now bear fruit of his children. Come on, clap your hands, all you people. Rejoice unto God. He buried you to marry you. He cleaned you to present you. You, you know, you know how I say you. You wouldn't even uh, Christ wouldn't be living in you right now if he hadn't taken care of your sin issue because Christ is holy. God is holy. Amen. He's not going to live in an unholy temple, so he had to clean it, and he did. But let me go one step further. You wouldn't be married. To Christ right now. Betrothed to Him for the marriage supper of the Lamb. If He had not cleansed you. You are so clean. So pure. So virgin before Him. He's he's marrying you. And you know what our big struggle is? We don't believe it. If you believe with your heart. Romans 10.10. Not your head. Even the demons believe. I'm not talking about intellectualism. If you believe with all your heart that He buried you so He could marry you and walk with you on a daily basis until this marriage supper of the Lamb, it'll change you. We'll see the evidence of your pregnancy, the life inside this body. We'll see evidence of new life inside of you. I'm not who I used to be. And if you stumble, renew your mind again and say, that's not who I am anymore. I break ties with that. That's just residue from the previous administration. You were single, but now you're married. Scott, you guys can come.
Can I get a witness that when you walk the altar to get married, you go, you become a new creation when you leave the church that day. You're, you're not who you used to be. You were single and now you're joined. That's what Don's trying to say about a righteous consciousness. Live from your union with him. Not trying to cause one, but from the place he's given you. He gifted it to you. That's the beauty of the new covenant. Amen, somebody? So, so you're no longer single. You're married. You're married to Christ. You're betrothed to him. Okay, so what does that mean? You can go live as a single person. You can go out and have a bunch of different lovers, but you're still married. Because even when you're unfaithful, he remains faithful. Because he's not going to break his word even if you break yours. My goodness. So powerful. Ezekiel 36, verse 20. Oh, yeah. There's your... There's your assignment for this week. Everybody read and you can eat it if you want. Ezekiel 36, 20 through 27. So powerful. 26 and 27, God says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put my spirit inside of you. I'm going to clean you first. Then I'll give you a new heart and come inside you to live. I want to say one last thing. Resurrection Sunday, communion. Water baptism are all great reminders that the old you is dead and you are a brand new person in Christ. Jesus did not die for the sinner. He died as the sinner. If he only dies for the sinner, he leaves you as a sinner. He didn't die for your anger problem. He died as your anger problem. That anger issue you think you have, how do you deal with it? He killed the nature of sin that causes anger outbursts. Does that make sense to you? What do you do with an alcoholic? You, you pretty him up, right? You make him a church member and give him some communion cups or something? Give him some church attendance? What do you got to do with the alcoholic? What do you do with him? You crucify him. You put to death the old nature causing, wreaking havoc out of a lie of lack that I need booze to make me happy and fulfilled. Christ didn't die for the alcoholic. He died as the alcoholic. He put him to death. So that what? So the former alcoholic could become a brand new creation in Christ. Filled with the very life of God. Life that has way more power to resist alcohol than dead flesh does. Stand with me. There's people in this room and you need your old man put to death. Maybe you've never been born again. All I mean by that is you're willing to acknowledge, hey, in Christ by faith, I'm willing to reckon that the old part of me, that anger issue, uh, the alcoholic, the murdering spirit, whatever it was, is crucified and I want new life. So if you're here this morning, you say, Brother Steve, that's me. I want the life of Christ on the inside of me. 
And I'm going to reckon the old me dead and now I'm born again with new life. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Anybody, I want to be born again. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Anybody else, I want to know and receive Christ. Anybody else, these two ladies. Thank you, brother. Anybody else, I need new life. I don't need to fix my habits. I need new life on the inside of me. Glory to God. Brian, would you go? I want you to go stand back here with this brother David right here, and then um, right back there. You have. I don't need baptism. I'm just talking about Christ inside. And then Kelly and Bell right behind you there. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning to receive the life of Christ. I'm tired of trying to fix me, but I'm here to embrace you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving me of all my trespasses and putting to death that old sinful nature. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for lifing me and that in you now I live and I am free. I am free. I am free. I am free. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Say it. Amen. More joy in heaven this morning. Amen.